What's going on? Welcome in to another episode of the Fantasy Football Fellas Podcast. Wednesday, February 22nd. Lucas hanging out with you tonight with... Guess who? Is that going to be my sound now? <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna stop you right in your intro. Is if that's gonna be the sound, I we will need to have a stern talking. No, to. no, I was just <laughs> letting the people know you've made it on to a collective episode with somebody else now for two straight episodes. That's the only reason it is not gonna be your new intro. <laughs> Thank you. I would I, make I, it a I, lot I, more cool and a lot more I would be much more of a guess who's back back again i would do that right. but no, no, this, no this one was just the button i had ready and right. uh it's two episodes in a row so i thought i'd i'd memorialize it but yes yeah yeah we're 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 calling it back from the first episode and putting a bow on it with this episode <laughs> lucas and tyler hanging out with you today we got a great episode coming up for you uh we did our favorite values in underdog drafts uh earlier this week in our last episode and now this episode, we're going to be talking about some of our least favorite values in their best ball drafts right now. They have the big board and little board drafts going on right now. Um, $10 entry into the big board, $3 for the little board, up to a million dollars in prizes are being given out. Uh, all you have to do, head over to Underdog Fantasy, use our promo code FELLAS, and they're going to give, they're going to give you excuse me, an instant match on your first deposit up to 100 Again, Pro fellows over an underdog fantasy. You can jump into those drafts with us. How many have you cranked out today? I've done three today. I was going to say, I've done three today as well. Um, and that's like, you know, in between all the work things as you're working and the drafts well, are going on. And you can. Well, you can, well sure. We, we, we'll go with that because that sounds a lot more responsible. <laughs> Hopefully, your supervisors aren't listening to this. Uh, no. <laughs> We got a great episode, though. We're going to bring you our least uh, favorite values over on Underdog Fantasy. We're going to talk about 10 total players with a few honorable mentions at the end. Uh, I'm not going to waste any more time. We have really no news or notes to cover. So let's uh, transition right into our least favorite values on Underdog right now. All right, we'll do this thing round robin like we normally do, Ty. Um, you can kick us off with the player. Uh, I'll I'll follow up in return, give my player, but then we'll go back we'll go back and forth here. We'll bounce back and forth. Some of our least favorite values over on Underdog right now, uh, and I think you're lucky our other co-host Cameron isn't here because I don't know if he necessarily agree with you on this one. And I'm gonna push it back, and I'm gonna throw a little. Uh, curveball at you do you mind if i steal one of your honorable mentions because it kind of fits with other players that i have later on in my list uh, you can go you can go steal one of my honorable mentions go for it i gotta I, my honor my list of honorable mentions is way too long there's a lot of values i don't like right now i guess <laughs> i will i'll steal the one yeah yeah the one because it's a rookie that you have in your honorable mentions i will talk about some other rookie players later in my list but we got to talk about B. John Robinson, okay? B. John Robinson, one of, if not the best running back prospect that we've seen the last decade. Long I know high. Saquon's up there and a lot of all that stuff. But B. John Robinson's the real deal. 
Okay. And if you play fantasy football or if you play dynasty, you know exactly who B. John Robinson is. But we need to talk about the fact that he's going as the running back four right now in these drafts, right on the one two turn. I mean, it's pick 13. I'm just going to call it on the turn 13.7. Yeah. 12, 13 in 12 man leagues there. Yeah. He's uber talented. The man has not played a single snap of NFL football. Okay. <laughs> and that you could make that as the main argument for all the rookies at this point. But the fact that B. John Robinson is going ahead of guys like Saqu- uh, Saquon Barkley, Derrick Henry, who is seven picks later than him, Kenneth Walker, who's going nearly uh, a whole a whole round after him as the running back seven. Again, Bijan Robinson is going to be very, very good. And if you take him in a draft, you're going to be excited. You're going to feel great about having him on your team. It's just a tad early at this point. Who knows what happens in the, you know, in the combine, what happened again, I I'm try, I'm going to try to stay away from the what ifs in the, you know, what happens if this happens and injuries and roster changes, all that stuff. I'm going to try to stay away from it, but this one makes sense because it's a rookie. What if B John goes into the combine and he tears an ACL? (laughs) That's very extreme. And I don't wish that upon him, but we need to exercise a bit of caution. We need to know where he goes first, because let's say he does end up in a place like Houston. That doesn't really help him at all but if he lands in a place like philadelphia kansas city then maybe then the value makes sense just exercise some caution if you're going to take him as the running back four just use some caution i think that's really the the point i want to make just use some caution don't go jumping for him don't go reaching for him because he's already going super high you're likely you're likely taking him at his ceiling that's why he made my honorable mention because I I think it's well in his range of outcomes to be a top five running back in fantasy football this year and have mm-hmm. PPR formats. I don't think that's out of his his range of possibilities, but right now, like I like I don't want to cast that bet on Bijan Robinson. I I just like without knowing where he's going to be. Now it shouldn't matter with the level of talent that he is. Right, if True. he winds up in Houston, uh, it shouldn't matter because Bijan Robinson is that guy. Think of Saquon Barkley when he ended up on the Giants. Yeah, he had a bunch of dink and dunk from from Eli Manning, but sorry, that team was not that good. Um, yet Saquon Barkley, uh, I believe he was the overall running back to his rookie season. Um, and he might've been one and a half PPR and in full PPR. I believe he was two. my point in all that though. I it, just at the one, two turn, like I would rather build out my team first before taking a gamble on a guy like Bijan. Um, and it's, I understand it's not as much of a gamble as you and I are probably, probably making it out to be, you're just you're you're just forecasting excellence onto him already, which isn't wrong. But there's risk. Mm-hmm. There's risk because what if Bijan only ends up being the RB eight? What if he only ends up being the RB ten? What if guys like Saquon Barkley, Derrick Henry, Ken Walker, Brees Hall, Josh Jacobs, Nick Chubb, what if they all finish ahead of Bijan still? Right? Like I don't think anybody would be surprised if that happens. I would much rather draft Bijan at you know the RB six or seven would probably be where I'm most comfortable drafting him. 
I don't know if I can do it a whole round earlier at the tail end of the first early second round. So yeah. I'm uh, my player also going at uh, the one, two turn or near the one, two turn, so at least as of yesterday, he shot up uh, a whole spot higher. <laughs> He's going 15th overall now, but someone needs to explain to me why Patrick Mahomes is going as a quarterback one at 15th overall. Here's the thing. We got record setting peak Mahomes last season. That's why he was the quarterback one. He's going to be a top three quarterback. I'm not going to sit here and argue with you that he's not going to be. But peak Patrick Mahomes was the quarterback one. His mobility, his rushing upside, uh, or his mobility doesn't have the same upside as a Jalen Hurts, as a Josh Allen, who, by the way, are going literally 16 and 17 right after Mahomes. Mahomes wasn't even the quarterback one in fantasy points per game last year either. It was Jalen Hurts. For where you're drafting Mahomes, frankly, like I'm I'm cheating myself out of an opportunity to really fill out my roster right away. You we talked about it yesterday. You like CeeDee Lamb at the one-two turn. I I would I would much, much, much rather stack AJ Brown and CeeDee Lamb at the one-two turn and then get a, oh, I don't know, a Lamar Jackson in the fourth round, who has that upside to give you 20-plus fantasy points a game. Joe Burrow, even, at the tail end of the third. Like, I, th- these are just guys that, I guess Joe Burrow's going early third, not tail end of the third. Lamar Jackson's going early fourth. Joe Burrow's going, like, early mid-third. My point in all that, though, I I can't draft Patrick Mahomes that early. I'm cheating myself out of the opportunity to round out my team when, frankly, like, as great as Patrick Mahomes is, I just don't – I can't stomach wasting that kind of draft capital on him. I just can't. He's going to be great. But am I really – am I really going to draft him first overall, first quarterback overall with my second pick ahead of Jalen Hurts or Josh Allen who could give me more mobility and rushing upside, which, again, we all know is a cheat code for fantasy – I, I can't stomach that. I, I possibly can't. Unless if you have Travis Kelsey and you stack him with Mahomes in the second round and Mahomes slides to you. I'm fine doing that then. There's just better quarterback values, and I would much rather round out my team, especially in best ball. Especially in best ball. I don't know. I I can't stomach Patrick Mahomes at ADP. His His ADP really bothers me. Does it bother you? You you seem like very like indifferent. You're like Lucas. That was just like a very weak argument. It just sounds like you kind of don't like Patrick Mahomes. I I honestly think that quarterback is one of the hardest positions to value in best ball drafts because you find yourself looking and you you're staring right at Mahomes, Josh Allen, Jalen Hurts back to back to back, and in your head you're like, well there's not much that separates those guys, but there's not much that separates the top three quarterbacks from the next three quarterbacks in terms of points per game. Right. But somehow we keep forcing ourselves into like taking quarterbacks early. Be patient. Just be patient. Mahomes is a perfect example of that. 
I can understand a Josh Allen. I can understand a Jalen Hurts because they have rushing upside that Mahomes doesn't really offer. So if you're thinking about taking Mahomes, it needs to be in like one of two scenarios. Like you said, you have Travis Kelsey already, or maybe there isn't really a second scenario. Exercise some patience with quarterbacks. And I'm I'm fully in agreement with your argument because again, you look at these three guys and you're like, one is not like the rest. And it's Mahomes. There's a far there's a far better case to draft Jalen Hurts as the first quarterback at that ADP with where AJ Brown is going than there is Mahomes. Mm-hmm. Uh, because if you if you're saying okay I want to draft Jalen Hurts to stack with AJ Brown okay great that that's fine by me I will not debate that and you get the mobility upside and you get the quarterback one of fantasy points per game last year fine you can talk me into that you can't talk me into Mahomes at 15th overall when you're not even stacking him with the best tight end in football you can't talk me into that ADP so end rant on Mahomes let's keep it moving here Ty. Um, my guess is that you're not going to snipe one of my honorable mentions here because you do have a nice little healthy list of uh, other options here, but uh, your second least favorite value uh, in underdog drafts right now. This is where I stand. I stare care, uh, stare at cam right in the face. And I tell him that DK Metcalf is going too early in best ball drafts right now. <laughs> you want to know how Cameron feels about that? Probably. Elite, elite. <laughs> My issue with DK Metcalf going as a top 15 wide receiver is really based on what we saw last year. And if you look at his stats from last year, it's very strange. He has a career best in receptions, a career best in targets. He just barely eclipsed a thousand yards. I shouldn't say just barely. I mean, it's 48, but still. He had a career low in touchdowns. If you if you are taking DK at his ADP right now, which is pick 28 right after, you know, middle-ish towards the beginning of round three, you're banking on the touchdowns, you know, coming back to that double-digit form that we saw, you know, in 2020 when he scored 10 and in 2021 where he scored 12. If you think he can bounce back to that, then you should absolutely take him as wide receiver 14. Cause then he's then that, I mean, that pushes him into the top 10 wide receivers. Personally, I don't think Metcalf gets back to double digit touchdowns. Give me another year of Kenneth Walker. Tyler Lockett is still there. And we were very on board with Tyler Lockett last episode. Who knows? Maybe Geno Smith. Maybe Geno Smith actually kind of takes a step back. Oh, did I did I just say the, the <laughs> thing no one wants to talk how, about? How would how dare you cast hate on Geno Smith, you hater? Hater, hater, cancel me, you fools. Um I there I think DK Metcalf, he's a he's again, we can shower him with compliments about just kind of the freak athlete that he is just for his size. But what it comes down to is his touchdowns. If he, if you think he can get back to double digits, 
by all means, then you should probably be taking him at his ADP. For me, I don't think he gets back to double-digit touchdowns. And I look at other receivers kind of in that range. Debo Samuel, wide receiver 15. Chris Olave, who foreshadowing, I'll be talking about here in a couple minutes. Then you go DeAndre Hopkins, Amari Cooper, Mike Williams. Honestly, I'm not going to really take any wide receiver, starting with DK Metcalf and ending then with probably Amari Cooper. You can make an argument for Mike Williams because I was on board with his value yesterday. yesterday. Yeah. Um, again, it's more of a personal thing for me. I'm there's no stats out there that says like he's for sure not eclipsing eight touchdowns this year or anything like that. But I think what we saw last year with Seattle, can it get much better than that, than what they did last year? I don't think so. Maybe it's a repeat season. And if it's a repeat season, then you're looking at the wide receiver 27 in points per game and half PPR. Going as a wide receiver 14 in drafts. To me, that's an easy pass. I can understand it if you do. Cam, I understand if you're still on a DK Metcalf. He just ain't for me, dog. That's all it is. So that was going to be my follow-up question, which you kind of addressed already, was if it's not DK Metcalf at wide receiver 14, who who is at wide receiver 14? Because you, you rattled off all the guys. DK Metcalf, Debo Samuel. I'll save on him. Uh, Chris Olave, who you said you're you're already going to talk about. DeAndre Hopkins. I mean, there's a case, but no it's Kyler. Be, right. If he gets traded, he's got to land with the right quarterback. Amari Cooper, you can make the case for. Mike Williams, uh, you're willing to make the case for. But then you just start looking at all these other guys, the the Christian Watsons, the Michael Pittman, Chris Godwin, Christian Kirk, DJ Moore, Terry McLaurin. Like, I'm not drafting them as the wide receiver 14. So if it's not DK, who's it going to be? I think just just looking at the I think just looking at the fantasy points per game might be skewing a little bit, but it's also the main it would also be my main argument against DK Metcalf as well. Why I wouldn't draft him that high again, and and it's an early third round ADP you're paying. Mm -hmm. Um, That's the other thing you have to to take into account. Um, But that's what it comes down to for me. I think I can stomach that ADP mostly because I look at the other names and I say, well, if it's not going to be DK, who else is it going to be? And for me, I guess it, it, you know, between it's between DeAndre Hopkins, Amari Cooper, and Mike Williams. Sure. Hopkins probably starts the list off as the third option just because the scenario has to be right for him. But you know what he can do if he's in the right scenario situation, I should say. Then it's probably Amari Cooper, and then it goes Mike Williams. But in terms of just, you know, when as things stand right now, and you're trying to play the board a bit and get value. I see better value. Mike Williams is wide receiver 19 than DK Metcalf is wide receiver 14. Which is entirely fair. Um, just looking at guys who are similarly going in that area, uh, you have Brees Hall at 25, Josh Jacobs at 28.2, Nick Chubb at 28.4, Debo, or not DK Metcalf, 28.7, Debo, 30.2, Travis Etienne, 30.7. Alave 30.8. That's that's within, you know, three picks pretty much. And I guess we can throw um, Ramondre Stevenson in there as well then at uh, 34. I guess that's six. But within, you know, three picks there, it's mostly running backs. 
Um, and a lot of guys that, <laughs> frankly, we're going to spend time talking about. So this is like a really weird dead zone that we're going to spend a lot of time on today. Mm-hmm. Um, because my second player that I am passing on, I am excited to pass on this player at his ADP. Debo Samuel going as the wide receiver 15 in best ball drafts right now kind of makes me sick. Wide receiver 26 and half PPR fantasy points per game last year. Again, I said that 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 isn't descriptive of the whole story. But Debo Samuel only had more, or Debo Samuel only had two games with more than 12 and a half fantasy points and half PPR leagues last year. Only two with more than 12 and a half fantasy points. That's not someone I want to draft at the wide receiver 15 in best ball leagues. If you can only give me two games above average in a 17-game season with supposed high rushing upside, now they got Christian McCaffrey. Sorry, that's going to go down for Debo. Brandon Ayuk is coming into his own. George Kittle is still there. Christian McCaffrey is a pretty dang good pass catcher. It's it's the there's too many mouths to feed scenario there. And I never want to default to that, but all those dudes can make plays. All those dudes can make plays. So of course they're going to get their own. You even look player profiler hat player profile you're oh my goodness, I cannot even get the player Boy. profiler out. My goodness. <laughs> player profiler. Oh my gosh, player profiler even has a metric called best ball points added. And for Debo to make up for that, for for wide receiver 26 and half PPR fantasy points per game, to be the wide receiver 15, you would have to hope his best ball points added rank is within the top 15. He was wide receiver 34 and best ball points added last year. So that takes into account, when you look at that metric, that takes into account, uh, it, it rewards volatility. Uh, and and discredits um, you know consistency. So really, you know, best ball points added favors guys like Christian Watson, right? Where he went on his massive stretch, and then he just had a few other games where it's like, oh well, you weren't that great, but he had four massive games. Uh, Debo doesn't even crack the top thirty in that metric. So why are we drafting him as the wide receiver fifteen? I don't see I don't see the upside there for Debo anymore. Again, you ask me, well, who's it going to be then? Again, I think I lean the same guys. I think I lean DeAndre Hopkins. I lean Amari Cooper. I think I lean Mike Will even. I definitely lean Chris Olave. Two games with more than 12 and a half fantasy points last year in half PBR leagues. That's the story you need to know. I am not touching Debo Samuel at wide receiver 15 in best ball drafts. All right, Ty, before we dive into the rest, uh, let's take... A quick break here, uh, and we'll bring it back after a short word from our friends over at Underdog. Today's podcast episode is brought to you by our friends over at Underdog Fantasy. Now, we love Underdog. It is the easiest place to play best ball formats, and they even have their own form of player props called Pick'em. You can make up to 20 times your money on a single night by correlating props together. Two picks will triple your money, three will six times it, four will ten times it, and five plays that all hit will multiply your entry by 20. 
You can even place insurance on your picks too. So if only four of your five props hit, you still get 10 times your entry. And if you use our code fellas when signing up, Underdog is going to double your first deposit up to $100. Alrighty, so Tyler, we've talked about Bijan Robinson, Patrick Mahomes, DK Metcalf, and Debo Samuel as a few of our least favorite players to target in underdog best ball drafts right now. Let's keep it rolling here. Who is your third least favorite value in drafts right now? <laughs> Believe it or not, it's right in sequential order of uh, ADP right now. DK Metcalf was at 28.7. Debo Samuel is at 30.2. And the next guy right after that, Travis Etienne, is someone that I have a very, very hard time buying in on right now at his ADP. Travis Etienne had a very strange season last year, I think we can all admit. Where James Robinson is miraculously in the season, and it's kind of this like... It's a, it was a struggle for ETN to really get really anything going because of that. And then he finally takes over after the Jaguars trade James Robinson. But it was, there were, the, I mean, the good parts were very, very good. There were also some very, very disappointing performances. And I think the one thing that, I was wary of going into last year was the well ETN is a receiving back so he'll get receiving work not in a Doug Peterson system <laughs> that's not how that system operates and sure enough he did really didn't there were games where he found himself getting like three receptions which in full PPR that's really nice half PPR though <laughs> That's kind of chump change, if you ask me. Travis Etienne, in my opinion, is borderline volatile when it comes to his volume. There were some games where he's getting 20-plus carries. Those are those were some of his best games on the year. There were some games where he's getting no more than 12 carries, so he's kind of 10, 11, 12 carries. Not the greatest, but he did make the most of those opportunities. There were several games where he had like 11 carries for like 80 plus yards. And you're like, wow, that's awesome. That's great efficiency. I look at that and I go, well, that's not really sustainable. I don't think it's sustainable. So while you want to see good efficiency from players, right? With limited volume, you want to see efficiency. I just, I can't, I can't pull myself to say that I will rely on that efficiency because it's really the average or standard. It's really four yards of carry, maybe four and a half yards of carry to be averaging like eight yards of carry, nine yards per carry. Incredibly efficient. I just don't think it's sustainable. And you're drafting him as a, as a running back one when he was a running back two and half PPR points per game last year. You are banking on some kind of, I don't know, volume adjustment that gives him more and more carries, which I don't think happens. I think Doug Peterson is... <laughs> 
the the type of play caller that he is is very much well we're just gonna we're gonna take what the defense gives us if they're gonna let trevor lawrence you know just throw all over the yard so be it we'll just keep doll you know we'll keep calling his number i just think it's a little too volatile for a running back 11 spot a little too inconsistent and the efficiency that we saw last year is just not super sustainable in my eyes I can understand why someone's going to be in on him. Second year in the system in, in what could be a, a better offense. You bring in Calvin Ridley and all that kind of stuff. I know you will have some words to say about that, man. I just can't buy the running back 11. I'd, I'd much rather wait for Tony Pollard at running back 13, Najee Harris running back 14, which you touched on yesterday as well. Give me one of those guys instead of ETN at running back 11 right now. I mean, you just look at ETN to close out the year two from week 10 on eight and 8.8 fantasy points, 0. 0.3, 6.1, 3.2, 11.7, 12.7, 21 and 4.4. That's from week 10 on last year. His fantasy scores and have PPR formats. I mean, that's just not something that excites me. That being said, I do think they start to figure ETN out in this offense. I like, again, I, I think we have to be careful sometimes in terms of just looking at past production and allowing past production to predict future production, because I don't think that's fair. I think that's flawed, but I also think you're right in, in some sense too, of like, man, to running back 11, that feels like a jump. Um, that does feel like a jump. It's a little too rich for me considering me personally, like I'm already struggling to put Travis Etienne inside of my top 12 running backs in redraft leagues, let alone best ball formats for next year. Uh, I, I, I'm I with you. I think I'm going to have more shares of Travis Etienne than I expect though, just based on how I'm projecting I'm going to build some of my teams. Uh, because again, the guys going in the Travis Etienne area uh, we talked about it. it. It's Brees Hall. It's Josh Jacobs. I mean, I would rather have Brees Hall. Uh, I would rather have Nick Chubb. I think I would rather have Josh Jacobs, but I'll raise a few questions about him potentially. Uh, but again, th- then it's these guys. It's DK Metcalf. It's Debo Samuel. It's Travis Etienne. Ramondre Stevenson. DeAndre Hopkins. Amari Cooper. Like Those are the guys all going in the same area. So there's this zone that I don't think any of us really like the values at, but somebody somebody has to be taken there. And I think for me, it's going to be Travis Etienne more times than not with how I'm building my teams. If I'm just being perfectly honest, I'm just pushing back a little bit. I'm not saying I love the value either, but if I have to take somebody there without reaching too far down the board, it's probably going to be Travis Etienne. I think the thing we're just trying to say is please give us like the, the ends of the draft whether that's a first, second, third pick or yep. the, like 10, 11, 12 spot. Do not give us the middle because the middle is tricky. It's very tricky. Yeah, incredibly tricky. I definitely prefer drafting on either end in best ball drafts right now. Um, yeah, I, I I much prefer drafting at the top three or the bottom three. Don't give me anything four through nine. I'll pass. So you broke out running backs. Went with Jacksonville Jaguars running back Travis Etienne. I'm actually going to talk about another Jaguar here, and you mentioned his name just a moment ago. Uh, Calvin Ridley. Going as the wide receiver 20, 41st off the board right now. Like, 
are we really gonna take are we really gonna try and take this kind of a gamble on Calvin Ridley? Bruh. Sorry, I was really bad joke. I made the gambling <laughs> joke and I couldn't help it. Uh, but but that but like that that's what we have to ask though. Like you're taking a massive chance on Calvin Ridley as the wide dude hasn't played football in a year. Suspended from the NFL, did not play at all last year. Now going into a new system. Now joining Christian Kirk, who's coming off of a wide receiver 18 season and a half PPR formats. Zay Jones. Um, correct me if I'm wrong. You can fact check me on this while I keep spewing, Ty. I want to say Zay Jones was a top 25 wide receiver and half PPR formats last year. Uh, he Actually, top 30, I think, is probably what I'm far more confident in. I think top 25 is a little bit of a stretch. My point being, though, is that you have Travis Etienne. You have Zay Jones. You have Christian Kirk. You're adding Calvin Ridley, who is a good wide receiver. He is a very good wide receiver. But we're really going to draft him? We're going to expect him to outproduce Christian Kirk's season this past year after not playing football for a year? Like, are, like, like can, we, can we soundly think that through? I, I'm not... Calvin Ridley there it scares the bejeebers out of me. I want nothing to do with him at ADP right now. Sorry, were you going to chime in there? Zay Jones was the wide receiver 26. Oh, I was right. 25 right was close there. enough. You were right there. And look, like, don't get me wrong. Calvin Ridley is better than Zay Jones. I'm not going to sit here and try and sell you on that. And they can produce two productive wide receivers. They totally can. They did last year. I just, I don't want to take the risk on Calvin Ridley being a top 20 guy in his first year back after not playing football for a year. Deshaun Watson, he got to shake a lot of rust off. You, you don't just jump back into NFL game speed after not playing in the league for a year. It's not a snap of the finger transition. If it were, a whole heck of a lot of more guys would be taking years off of football. I'll tell you that right now. I I can, I, yeah, I, again, he's just in that range where everybody I look at there is just like, uh, I, uh, that's literally the feeling. Every time you come up to the board and, and you know, the, your preferred guys are there, it's always just Bruh. like, that's how I feel every single time. And that's how I feel about Calvin Ridley at wide receiver 20 as well. 41st overall. Again, we're talking mid mid fourth round. I'll pass. I'll pass there. Let's keep it moving, Ty. You're going to talk about another wide receiver here. At least I assume you are, unless if uh, I've talked you out of including this guy on your list. But uh, part of me thinks you're going to keep him in here just so I can debate you on it. <laughs> you know, you you we we discussed this before we hit the record button, and you you brought up some very good points. So I'm not as out on him as I was, you know, literally half an hour ago. Um, but it's I'm okay if I'm, you still are. No, oh, like, well, yeah, I'm, I'm still relatively out on him. And it's Chris Olave. And don't hear me. Don't hear what I'm not saying. Chris Olave is uber talented. I'm not saying that he's not talented. The only concern that I have is how can his situation get really any better? Yes, Mike Michael Thomas could get traded. So that means Olave steps in as a wide receiver one. Sweet. Who's going to be throwing him the ball? And 
with the Saints, who are literally going to be in cap hell for at least the next like five years, it feels like. And you look at some of these quarterbacks that are available this offseason, right? A lot of people are kind of connecting Derek Carr to the Saints. There's going to be a lot of like magic going on behind the scenes in order for the Saints to bring in Derek Carr. So with their situation, their options at quarterback are going to be limited just because they can't, they don't have the luxury that some other teams have, like the Jets or the Raiders, to go get one of these bigger name quarterbacks. So I'm not saying that Chris Olave is going to play with Andy Dalton and James Winston again. But that could be the scenario just because of how the team is structured right now. And if that's the case, Chris Olave was or Chris Olave going closer to the wide receiver 15. Just aim for me. I need to put him closer to like mid 20s than mid teens. Granted, it's a gamble that can pay off. Let's say the Saints do magically bring in Derek Carr somehow, some way. Sure, then yeah, Chris Olave wide receiver 16 makes a lot of sense. But there's a there's there's so much that needs to happen. And I know, and again, I referenced this earlier. I'm trying not to I'm trying to stay away from the well, what if this happens and what if that happens? Because I, I right. use that argument a lot in last episode. This is the one where I'm like, this is leg- there is legitimately so many things that need to fall into place in order for Olave to be worthwhile as a as a wide receiver 16 in my eyes. He was a wide receiver 25 in fantasy points per game in half PPR formats last year. His final stretch of games last year was just disgusting. Let me see if I can. I have the stats right here. I have it right here. There we go. He was a wide receiver seven in week 11 on just five catches and one went for a touchdown and he had over 100 yards in that game. The week before that, though, he was a wide receiver 60. So then he goes wide receiver 7. Then he finishes like this. Wide receiver 42, wide receiver 41, bye week. Wide receiver 49, missed a game. Wide receiver 39. Then he finishes wide receiver 19, which is decent, solid. That's not what I want to see from a wide receiver 16. Because if you're going to take him there, you're expecting big things. I did not see big things happen last year with Chris Olave. Here's I'm going to push back. 26.7% target share last year. I was 15th in the league. We typically see sophomore leaps from wide receivers, do we not? Oh, we do. I'm, and I'm not going to sit here and tell you Chris Olave is going to see a 30% target share this year. I'm not going to sit here and tell you that he's going to see even a 28% target share. I will say, however, there's been rumors all this offseason about Michael Thomas potentially leaving. They've restructured his deal to try and get you know closer to the cap so they can bring in a guy like Derek Carr. It might also involve them just flat-out shipping Michael Thomas to a different team. So not only does that open the door for a better quarterback to come into play, it opens up the door for Chris Olave to step into a bigger role. And I know I'm playing the devil's advocate of Tyler, what if? And you already said you're trying to stay away from those things. These are things that I think are actually fairly likely to happen. 
it can't get worse. It, well, it can't get worse than Andy Dalton. I don't think it's going to get worse than Andy Dalton, though. I think it's only going to get better than Andy Dalton. You're talking to 15th in target share, 26.7. Target rate, he was targeted on nearly 30% of his route run last year. That was 10th in the league. Eighth in air yards, third in air yard share. Dude accounted for 41% of his team's total target distance last year. Ninth in A dot, fourth in deep targets. Big play opportunity is there for best ball. Fifth in unrealized air yards. Tenth in yards per route run. Two and a half yards per route run. And he was targeted top two against man coverage last year. One on nearly 48% of his routes. 12th best in the league. Like, there's just so much untapped potential for Chris Olave that I think if he even gets marginally better, if it even gets marginally better, and we see Chris Olave really start clicking in his sophomore year, like, I know, I know the first year stats weren't, you know, what they could have potentially be, but I'm also not complaining about nearly, you know, I'm not complaining about 1,042 yards, 14 and a half yards of reception. Touchdowns will come. Only four touchdowns last year as well. I think those will come up. I think we could potentially see six, seven touchdowns from Alave this next year. I just think there's there's too much untapped potential there that I think can be improved upon regardless of how better or not as better um, the situation can get. That's just me. I'm just much more bullish on the youth and Chris Alave becoming more acclimated to the league then it sounds like you are. I think maybe the best way to explain it, it'll sound like I'm backtracking, but I'm really not. We could revisit this conversation after the draft, and I could be all in on Chris Olave. 100%. That's that's what that's where we are with Chris Olave. Just right, right now, there is so much unknown that a wide receiver 16 price with what we saw from last year just raises some eyebrows. And that and that's the the lens we have to view all this discussion in, right? I, I'm not, I'm not going to hold you to this take, because frankly, a lot of my takes could probably change after this too. But right now, when you're trying to strategize and draft the best team, I am, excuse me, I I am much more willing to take the chance on Chris Olave than I am on Debo, than I am on DK, than I am on Amari Cooper, than I am on Mike, than I am on Calvin Ridley, than I am on Christian Watson, than I am on Michael Pittman, all those guys going in that same range. Uh, I am or, you know, within that stretch of wide receivers. Um, you even look at the running backs in this range, right? Ramondre. Yeah, you could talk me into Ramondre. Tony Pollard, I would much rather go in on Chris Olave. Najee Harris becomes a discussion. But again, all those guys going in that range, like Chris Olave, I think has my heart over all those guys. Um, and it's just because of his upside and untapped potential that I think we will see regardless of how the situation changes this year. I enjoy having a little bit of banter there. That was I enjoy a good that. conversation. <laughs> I enjoy I enjoy the banter. Um, I'm going to pivot back to uh, a position we actually haven't talked about in either episode. Uh, we talked pretty much exclusively wide receivers and running backs last episode. We talked some quarterback this episode. George Kittle is going as a tight end four right now, 47th overall. Here's the thing. You look at that, and, and my initial reaction was like, wow, tight end four overall. I guess I really don't hate that. 
Um, and based on the fantasy points per game production in half PPR formats last year, in comparison to what other wide receivers are going around George Kittle in the draft, like the ADP makes sense projection wise. It makes sense fantasy points per game wise. Now, where it doesn't make sense is that the difference between the tight end two and the tight end 14 last year was only four fantasy points per game. So I'm looking in drafts right now. I can get George Kittle, the tight end four. I can get him 47th overall, 48th overall. Or I can wait another 45 picks later and get Evan Ingram, who only scored two less fantasy points per game than George Kittle, all the way down at pick 91, pick 92. That's my issue here with George Kittle's ADP. My issue is not the fantasy points and where you're, you're the fancy points you're going to get where you draft him. That's not my issue here. My issue is the disparity of how early you have to draft George Kittle to not get that much of a positional advantage and instead have to sacrifice wide receiver depth, have to sacrifice running back depth, have to sacrifice a potential top QB like Lamar Jackson. Because correct me if I'm wrong, Lamar Jackson is going in this range. Uh, he's going 10 picks ahead of George Kittle. Mm-hmm. So somewhat of that same range. But you get my point. Fantasy points per game wise, it makes sense. It makes sense. The disparity between George Kittle and everybody else in the field, though, does not to me. Because I'll tell you right now, I would much rather bet on a Dalton Schultz at 98 a David Njoku at 99, a Pat Fryermuth at 109. I would much rather wait and build out my depth in best ball. Again, best ball. You're getting the best score every week. George Kittle isn't always going to give you the best score every single week. That's why Travis Kelsey's a top three pick in best ball formats right now. George Kittle isn't going to give you that. I would, again, l- let me just rattle off some of the wide receivers in, in, in the George Kittle range. Christian Watson, Michael Pittman. I would I would do go Michael Pittman over Kittle. Chris Godwin, I would. Christian Kirk, I would. Terry McLaurin, I would. Jerry Judy, I would. You start getting into a few different conversations then. Tyler Lockett. I mean, like again, they're just guys further down the board I would rather invest in than spend 47 and a half or 47th in overall on George Kittle. When again, 45 picks later, I'm gonna get Evan Ingram and be just fine. And will frankly outscore George Kittle probably more weeks than not. That's a bold statement. Evan Ingram will probably, <laughs> he won't outscore George Kittle more weeks than not. But you get my point. My point is that the score differential just isn't going to be the same between um, Chris Godwin, and now I'm going to scroll down and find um, Evan Ingram, and Kadarius Tony. Oh my goodness. Really? I would much rather take Chris Godwin there and then Evan Ingram instead of George Kittle and Kadarius Tony because that's what you're looking at. Something I, tells uh, me you don't agree with me. No, I agree. And I was okay. I was gonna come in with a with a dare I say hot take. Go for it. I like Kyle Pitts at his value better than George Kittle at his value. Oh, I okay. I'm glad you put value. I mean, 63. Yeah. I mean, you're talking 20 picks after. Right. 
Yeah, you're talking 20 picks after. I can, yeah, I can stomach Kyle Pitts' ADP far better than George Kittle's. I don't want to draft either at their ADP, but I can, stomach, I can stomach <laughs> Kyle Pitts a lot better than George Kittle. Yes, absolutely. All right, Ty, let's wrap it up here as we're nearing the end of the episode. We have one more player each that we want to talk about. Uh, I really like this player you're going to touch on because I find his ADP slightly outrageous right now. It's another rookie. And it's pretty much the consensus running back two in this class. I have different opinions because I talked about my my running back two yesterday and Tank Bigsby, but Jameer Gibbs is my running back three, and that's who I have a serious issue with right now in underdog drafts. Jameer Gibbs going as the running back 19 in drafts, and his ADP is at 60.7. Can I just list off some running backs that are going right in that range? Please. Joe Mixon is going as a running back 16. Dalvin Cook is a running back 17. Aaron Jones is a running back 18. Javante Williams. Sorry. Uh-huh. Javante Williams, who we both share some concerns with, going as a running back 20. I slightly like Javante Williams more than Jameer Gibbs, even with well. the injury. Yep. Damian Pierce, running back 21. I'm not going to say the next guy because it's da 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 da. <laughs> but J.K. Dobbins, we touched on him in the last episode, running back 23. Jameer Gibbs, I you could say you can use the same argument that we use for B. John Robinson. The guy just has not been drafted yet, and we don't know where he can end up. But here's what I do know: Jameer Gibbs is much more of a receiving threat than he is a threat in the run game. Jameer Gibbs needs space. That's a concern for a running back. Because as a running back, you are not going to find yourself in a lot of open space. And if you do, Credit your offensive lineman because they 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 did their job. Jameer Gibbs going as a running back 19 right now. To me, that is a ceiling. That is the highest that he could finish this year because it's got to be the right situation. It's got to be the right kind of volume. Again, Joe Mixon, Dalvin Cook, Aaron Jones, Javante Williams, Damian Pierce, J.K. Dobbins. Even Tyler Algier running back 25, Cam Akers running back 26. I would even consider those guys, honestly, before Jameer Gibbs, ever, ever. So, this again, this could change once we know where he goes because he could find himself in a very, very opportune situation. Don't bank on that right now. Don't bank on that right now. Not when we have... Will we have a very raw and very talented, but not complete prospect with Jameer Gibbs? I I back a hundred percent of all of that. Jameer, like Bijan again, Bijan Robinson at four. I am far more willing to invest in than Jameer Gibbs at running back nineteen. I don't know what team Jameer Gibbs is going to land on. And frankly, if he lands on a team that doesn't entirely want to suit his skill set, what if Jameer Gibbs ends up in Buffalo? You got James Cook, you got Devin Singletary. I don't think he will, but it, it like what if he ends up in one of those scenarios with a team who says we want a pass catching running back, and then it just doesn't pan out. That's what people were saying about James Cook this year. Granted, he wasn't going as an RB nineteen in best ball drafts last year. I just I don't see how you can invest in a guy 
as a top 20 running back when you don't even know his landing spot. I like Jameer Gibbs. He's my running back too in this draft. Um, you and I will differ there. He's my, I don't know if he's my head and shoulders running back too, but he is my running back too in this class. I love his game. I'm also not afraid to say that he's not going to be a top 20 running back his rookie season. And I am, I refuse to pay top 20 ADP for him. Plain and simple. End of analysis. Anything you want to add there? I feel like you're you're digging for something else. No. Just stay away from Jameer Gibbs right now. Just stay away. Right now. Right now. Again, once you draft this team, there is no trading. There is no dropping. There is no cutting. You are stuck with Jameer Gibbs at ADP in best ball leagues because it is the best scores that are are placed into your lineup every single week. I don't know if that's going to be Jameer Gibbs more times than not at ADP. All right. I'm going to wrap up with another running back as we're nearing the end of the episode here. Isaiah Pacheco is currently going as a running back 22, 71st overall. Let me triple check that since ADPs have changed since I last uh, updated my document here. Uh, Isaiah Pacheco is going 71.4, running back 22. Now, here's, here's the thing. Again, to the naked eye, you look at when he took over the backfield last year, week 10, when he started getting the bulk of his carries. He was an RB17 from week 10 on once he took over the backfield. Here's a list of guys who finished lower in fantasy points than Isaiah Pacheco in that stretch that I think you and I will agree will outscore Isaiah Pacheco this year. I put David Montgomery down. He was a running back 21. I don't know if he for sure does, but let's say it's Khalil Herbert. I think there's a legitimate chance Khalil Herbert outscores Isaiah Pacheco this year if he's the starting running back in Chicago. Yep. Ramondre Stevenson already finished higher on a points break. Ramondre Stevenson's being drafted ahead of Isaiah Pacheco right now in best ball drafts. Ken Walker was the RB26. Alvin Kamara was the RB28. Jonathan Taylor was the RB33. Travis Etienne was the RB34. Joe Mixon was the RB39. J.K. Dobbins, the running back 43. Damian Pierce, who's going one pick ahead of him, the RB45. I just named you nine running backs that I think probably will finish ahead of Isaiah Pacheco this year. And you have to pay the RB22 for him when Cam Akers, the RB26, is going a full 10 picks after him. You could even throw Miles Sanders in that conversation depending on where he ends up. James Conner, the RB28. Really? We really think Isaiah Pacheco is going to outscore James Conner this year when James Conner during that stretch scored more fantasy points than Isaiah Pacheco? Really? And let's not ignore the fact Isaiah Pacheco is a seventh-round rookie. Well, he'll be a sophomore this year, but drafted in the seventh round last year. Last year was his rookie season. That draft capital says he's replaceable. We rarely see running backs in that range, let alone in the fourth or fifth round, survive more than two years as the starters on their team. And let's be honest, like Isaiah Pacheco's nice, but he's not, he's not that dude. He's not that dude. Kansas City changed the draft, B. John Robinson. 
I'm going to keep whispering that into existence. I'm going to keep whispering it into existence. It's going to happen. I want it to happen so bad. At any rate, Isaiah Pacheco, he is... I I cannot stomach drafting him at the RB22. I feel like I've been saying that a lot. I cannot stomach him. (laughs) Yeah, I, I cannot draft Isaiah Pacheco as a running back 22. All right, Ty, with the uh, last minute or so we have here, let's fly through some honorable mentions of other guys at ADP that we are passing on right now. I uh, will quite literally just like rapid fire this name, quick reason. We'll get the people out here on, on a few more names. Um, since I have the more, well, I guess I don't have that much longer of a list. I only have one more than you. Um, my first one is Devontae Adams, wide receiver six, ninth overall. If Jared Stidham's your quarterback, like I know we saw one good game against the 49ers from Jared Stidham in that offense. I'm just I'm just hesitant with whoever's throwing Devontae Adams the ball there. Like I I'll pass on wide receiver six. I, I think I would rather take a CD Lamb. I would rather take an AJ Brown. I would like Devontae Adams feels more like a second round value in best ball for me this year. Just makes me just makes me hesitant um with the unknown at quarterback there with no Derek Carr. So Again, Devontae Adams, great NFL wide receiver. One of the best in the league. I just don't know who's throwing him the football. I'd rather not invest in him as the wide receiver six. Same here. Same here. My first honorable mention, we're going with the rookies again. Quentin Johnston out of TCU. The argument still stands of we don't know where he's going, but here's the thing. These are just a handful of players at any position that I would much rather have right now than Quentin Johnson at their ADP. Give me Rashad Bateman. Give me Cortland Sutton. Give me Jahan Dotson, Miles Sanders, James Connor, Evan Ingram. If you're in that tight end spot, Brian Robinson, Jacoby Myers, AJ Dillon, Juju, then we get into my other honorable mention, but that was easily, easily eight or nine players that are going kind of within the within the same range. ADP started to drop a bit because we got so far down the list. Quentin Johnson is going to get uber, uber hyped. He might be overrated. I'm going to say it. He might just be overrated. And yes, he's got size. He's got catch radius. Bigger wide receivers take a little bit longer than other wide receivers to translate to the NFL. Drake London last year is probably best case scenario that we've seen in a while when it comes from a bigger target. Can't expect that this year with Quinn Johnson. And again, you're taking him as a wide receiver 41 at his at an ADP of 83.8. Give me Corlin Sutton if you're going to take a bigger wide receiver. Give me Jahan Dotson going into year two. Give me Rashad Bateman. Miles Sanders, I don't need to go through the list. I don't like that value at all for Quinn Johnson. Josh Jacobs is the other honorable mention I'll bring up. Um, look, running back nine, ADP of 29th overall. I Again, it's the landing spot thing. If he's back in Vegas, I'll gladly invest in him there. It goes to Atlanta. No thanks. As just a guy, I don't, I don't think he's going to replicate the historic stretch that he was on. And I understand... You know, he was the he was the RB, you know, eight, nine, even in years prior, right? The two years prior, I believe he was still a top 12 running back. 
Like I get it. I I can't do that right now though. Not with not with the uncertainty of of where he's going to end up. Uh, and it sounds like his days in Vegas are probably toast based on some of the comments he made at the end of last season. I can't I can't do RB nine for Josh Jacobs. Uh, I am going to pass on him there again. If you if I got a list of you know bunch of guys in that range again, we're, I'll just throw up a few names just for comparison. Again, Brees Hall, gladly. I'd take him over Josh Jacobs. Joe Burrow, I would take over Josh Jacobs. Nick Chubb, I would take over Josh Jacobs. Devonta Smith, T. Higgins. Those are guys all going, you know, within five picks of Josh Jacobs. I would I would much rather invest in those guys before I, I go down and snag a Josh Jacobs. So again, it, it's a landing scenario there. I I'm I don't despise the ADP. It's not one I really enjoy though. My last honorable mention is another rookie. Ha, <laughs> another rookie. Who would have thought? Who would have thunk? But Jalen Hyatt, okay? Jalen Hyatt's going as a wide receiver 50 right now, and he's going ahead of two guys, in particular Darnell Mooney and Donovan Peoples-Jones. Make of make what you will of Darnell Mooney and Donovan Peoples-Jones and their situations, all that stuff. It'll certainly going to be better, though, than whatever Jalen Hyatt lands in. I guarantee you. Jalen Hyatt has just deep speed sure some people will call that the trump card name me one offense that is built on the deep pass that banks and relies on the deep pass as like their main what do i want to say that's their red butter yeah yeah no offense does that okay jalen hyatt if he's going to succeed in the nfl he needs to develop you can't take a developmental player in best ball drafts. You really can't because they're just not really going to see the field as, as much as you would want them to. Again, I'm going to do the same thing that I did for Quentin Johnson. Here are just a handful of players that I will take right after him. Darnell Mooney, Donovan Peoples Jones, David Montgomery, Zay Jones, Zeke, Tyler Boyd, Elijah Moore, Josh Palmer, just to name a few. Give me all of those guys over Jalen Hyatt. Do not spend a pick on Jalen Hyatt that early. And I think people get enamored with the upside of these rookie wide receivers, right? Cause they just want to hit the, the gem right away. That's going to pan out and, and be a best ball gem. Um, I, there's just some guys though, where you look at them and it's just like, man, on your ADP though, like we're banking on maybe not best case scenario, but like compared to some of these other guys who I know are surefire commodities uh, and can actually be lineup fillers for me. Jalen Hyatt's one of those where, yeah, I agree. I, I would much rather go at uh, most of those other names that you mentioned. Uh, I'll, final two names I'll mention, uh, both going to be sophomores this year. Christian Watson at the wide receiver, 21, 44th overall. Look, I get it. Um, he has the big explosive four-game stretch where he's throwing up 20-plus fantasy points. He's scoring touchdowns. I get it. No Aaron Rodgers, potentially. Uh, I think he can get it done with Jordan Love. I don't know if he can get it out, done at wide receiver 21, though, with Jordan Love. Uh, and he'll have massive games. He'll have big, big games. So I understand like best ball purposes, why he's being drafted that high because he can get you those 20 plus point weeks. I, I just can't, I can't get myself to do it. I can't get myself to do it. I understand why people are, there is a case there for it. Again, I would much rather go a Michael Pittman, a Chris Olave. Uh, I, I've again, looking at more guys in that range, Deandre Hopkins, Amari Cooper, Mike will, uh, Christian Kirk, Terry McLaurin, Jerry Judy. I, I, w- I would much rather go those Drake London. I think I would rather go over Christian Watson as well. 
Uh, and then Damian Pierce is the last one. A lot of basically, you can just revisit my Isaiah Pacheco argument, um, and pretty much all that stands with with Damian Pierce, except for maybe a few names. But again, fourth round rookie could be easily replaceable if they if they draft more depth behind Damian Pierce to not make him the sole guy and give him a little bit of help. That just tanks his value from running back twenty one. So that basically everything I said about Isaiah Pacheco is basically equivalent for Damian Pierce, just at less intensity I, I believe anything you want to add before we close it out here Ty in the words of a very renowned co-host of a specific podcast keep up the good fight Keep up the good fight and use promo code fellas over on underdog fantasy. They're going to double your first deposit up to a hundred dollars. They're seriously, they're running drafts every five minutes. Whenever a league fills up, you're drafting little board is $3 entry. Big board is $10 entry up to a million dollars worth of prizes. They are giving away in those contests. So go get yourself entered in on one of those. You can even come compete against us as well. We're hopping in on these drafts. I don't know. Across the span of all three of us, probably hourly. Yeah, yeah, probably on average. So there's a probably a pretty good chance you're going to hop in with either me, Tyler, or Cameron on one of these drafts. You'll have a chance to draft with us and play against us this year. So promo code fellas on underdog. They'll give you a hundred dollar welcome bonus when you sign up. I'm at Lucas Wenzel on Twitter. Tyler underscore Plath. FF fellas is the main account. The FF fellas on Instagram, Fantasy Football fellas on TikTok and YouTube, where you should be subbed. We're we're pumping out. We're pumping on all sorts of great offseason content now. It's all NFL team needs. It's all NFL draft content. We'll get in some dynasty talk here soon as well. We're having a lot of fun. A um, little bit of a slow season, but gives us a chance to really dive into this best ball stuff, which we which we all really enjoy. Uh, yeah, we all thoroughly enjoy drafting for best ball. So with that being said, two of the three stooges here being dudes. Fancy football, fellas. We will see you all next week, and we're going to dive into our dynasty rankings quarterbacks running backs wide receivers tight ends everything of the sorts right before free agency hits we will see you all then deuces deuces